0: Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Baxter Future. This is a podcast where I talk about GPT 3, multimodal AI, the, the company called OpenAI. I also talk about you know, open source stuff going on, whether that's GPT J, DALI Mini, VQGAN and Clip, all the different AI models and their associated open AI. Sorry, their associated open source communities. I you know I love chatting about these things. Today, I wanted to chat about OpenAI Codex. And so before I get there, the question is, why do I want to chat about OpenAI Codex? Well, while OpenAI Codex was going on, I was working on a series called GPT-X DALI and Our Multimodal Future. I was not only working on it, I was releasing it. It was one video every day for like a month, basically last month. And it was crazy. It was a lot of fun. But it's it was just kind of funny because while everybody else was talking about the future of code, I was talking about like that series is about AI and creativity. So I was saying, like, everyone should be an artist. Everyone should be creating anything is possible. I want you to generate movies and architecture designs and product designs. Right. And like it was almost as if like Steve Jobs had released the iPhone or something. And I was talking about the iMac, <laughs> like something of that sort. Right. Uh, and I mean, in a way, it's kind of fun. I, you know, it's it's nice to do something different. Everybody else is focused on one thing; you're focused on another. It wasn't intentional. I didn't know about OpenAI Codex until basically a week or two before it was uh, going to be announced. Right? Like, I had early access and I was playing playing with it. But by then, the series was already in motion. Right. So it was not intentional. It's it just pretty funny. And so now the interesting thing is sort of the cloud has lifted, OpenAI Codex has been around for a month now, the veil has been removed, many people have access to it. And since then, there is time for us now to reflect, about it, reflect on it, talk about it. And uh, there's some distance now between the hype of the announcement and today, right? And so uh, that's why I want to talk about Codex is because while everything was going on, I had to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> because I was out tweeting, everyone should stop coding and be artists, right? That's what I was busy tweeting. And so, um, now the cloud, now the, again, the cloud has been lifted. Let's chat about codex. And this may be part of an, like an upcoming series. I'm not sure when it will be released, which will be called essays about codex. Uh, my inspiration is a lot of, you know, uh, movie film critics, film analysts. Uh, think of like nerd writer one, for example, on YouTube, very thoughtful video essays on movies and art. I want to, you know, make that style of video, but talking about OpenAI Codex. That's the pitch of this series, and um, it's almost like let's talk about OpenAI Codex, but not like how a programmer would talk about it. Let's let's talk about it the way uh, an analyst, film critic, uh, you know, somebody who's an essayist would talk about Codex. And the reason is, you know, I just have these thoughts and ideas and opinions on it, um, where I just think they'll fit better in that kind of format, as opposed to like some kind of programming tutorial (laughs) or something like that. Uh, And so essays about Codex, I, I, you know, it's something I'm really excited about. And today, because the podcast is, is more behind the scenes, it's very raw trigger warning. Um, I just want to put these ideas out there and keep in mind many of them are not ready. They're not even close to their final form. They're they're not crystallized. They have not reached some equilibrium, but I just think it's good practice to put your ideas out there. It's good practice to share them with others and, you know, really listen to their feedback and what they think. And they may agree, they may not, you know, they may not agree, but they may punch it up. They may help you look at things in new ways. And so today I'm sharing these ideas really raw with you and, and I hope you have some pointers for me as well. I'm open to learning. I'm open to hearing what everyone else has to say. Um, I'm not going to be sharing all the ideas in this series, but I think I will share some of them today. And uh, of course, before I get started, uh, it's been about about a month or two since Codex uh, has dropped. I wanted to just formally congratulate OpenAI and the team behind it. I think this is incredible research. Uh, I do think Codex, in its current state, changes, changes programming forever. Programming, product management, project management—you know, high-tech company leadership—Codex uh, has significant implications. I want to congratulate OpenAI and the team behind it. And I do just—I want to make a disclosure in a way that you know, please, like none of this. Please don't take any of this personally. I apologize if I if I do sound critical. A lot of this comes not not just from a constructive place, but also a place of love. I am the biggest OpenAI fanboy. I love GPT three. I love all OpenAI products, and of course, I mean well. And I know there's a lot of you know elbow grease, hard work, hard nights put into these kinds of products and 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 stuff and initiatives. And so I, I you know I, I don't want to sound like I'm hating and dis- discrediting or trying to bash other people's life work. I know this is the most meaningful work probably that that team has ever worked on before. So again, congratulate, thank you for putting this product out and, you know, please take this from a, from a place of love. So with that out of the way, uh, I wanted to just start with, so, uh, let's chat about, uh, Codex versus GPT-3. So when GPT-3 came out, I mean, I felt it was like this world changing event, right? Like I would, I would categorize it up there, like perhaps with the original iPhone announcement or something of that sort, there was tremendous hype. So many people outside of the AI community, broader tech community and beyond became interested in GPT-3. we hearing about it. And so many people wanted access and on top of that there was just a flood of gpt3 use cases right whether that's bram whether that's people in that you know original openai slack community when the community was like less than 8000 people uh whether it was on youtube like me publishing my my video on you know using t- gpt3 to you know generate uh ngrams or you know convert sequences of text into tokenized f- versions so like my stuff was a little bit technical. I also made one on office code. There was use cases, there was demand, there was a need for access, and it was making huge like media kinds of uh, features, right? Like it was in all the different kind of major news, tech news outlets. And uh, I, you know, a lot of that is is justified, right? Like when I think about GPT-3's capabilities and the things they could do. These are things that I felt, you know, AI or NLP was like five, 10 years away from actually complaining. Right. But it was here today. And so I can understand why the excitement about GPT-3 was, was so big and it spread so much. There was so much word of mouth. I mean, one of the interesting things about GPT-3 and the community that we don't talk about, it's almost like the GPT-3 community formulated overnight. This product was so compelling. It was so much word of mouth. The intensity was so high that, you know, OpenAI, without any sort of marketing or whatever, just from product work or word of mouth, had a community, and their problem was actually restricting the amount of access to the community for safety reasons. Otherwise, you know, I suspect if they had opened the floodgates, probably millions of people may have joined the open AI GPT-3 community overnight. And so I guess what I'm saying is GPT-3 was an exemplary product launch. Ah, uh, there was a lot of substance there. There was a lot of merit. There was a lot of use cases being discovered. It was making the news. Like there's all these things. It, it's it's as good as things could get. They've got lightning in a bottle with GPT three, right? Now OpenAI Codex, for example, the event OpenAI threw was awesome. You know, I, I felt it, it had a lot of production value. They they probably spent a lot of time on it, but, but like after that. First week, I felt a lot of the hype has sort of fizzled out for OpenAI Codex. It is nothing like GPT 3. GPT 3 today, there is still a lot of hype around it. In fact, GPT 3 has become a meme, right? Like people would be like, somebody needs to make GPT 3, but for, you know, reading my emails and, you know, like just r- summarizing them and telling me the most important information and suggesting things I should do. Somebody needs to make GPT 3 for my calendar. Somebody needs to make GPT-3 to help me, you know, manage my chores and errands and make a the best to-do list ever. Right? It's become a meme in a way. Whereas OpenAI Codex like it's almost like those first week or two was, you know, it felt like a lot of that same GPT-3 level uh hype and demand, but it kind of fizzled out. Right? And not a lot of people have reached out to me with questions about codex, asking me how to get access to codex, the kinds of things they used to do when it comes to GPT-3. And so so why is there, at least in my view, some fizzling out of OpenAI AI codex compared to GPT-3? Well, the first reason is I just think uh, that the market for programmers is a lot smaller than the market for GPT-3, right? I don't know how many programmers there are in the world, whether that's 1 million, 100,000, 3 million, 10 million, I don't know. But it's certainly a smaller number, right? Whereas, you know, GPT-3, pretty much anyone can be a GPT-3 user. It can write copy. It can write poetry. It can help you write a science fiction novel. It can help you make decisions about what you should do today. It can recommend songs to you. Like there's all these different things that GPT-3 can do, which can appeal to everyone of any age, right? Whereas this subset of people who are into programming or using AI to code, like that's a lot smaller. So, maybe, maybe this hype has died down in a way because the market is just smaller, right? I, that's, that's reasonable, I can believe it. Uh, maybe the other reason stuff has died down is because OpenAI Codex is following up something like GPT-3, right? And so with GPT-3, it's almost like it went on stage, it did its bit, and like the audience, including myself, were you know like on their feet applauding it and just throwing roses like because we were just so blown away. And then Codex comes along and is sort of on stage and is like,'m I'm, I'm basically GPT3, but for code <laughs> right And in, in that case, like I don't know like how that performance would do like if it would fall flat in a way. Uh, you know, I, I certainly would not want to follow up a tough act like it's a tough act to follow. I would not want to follow up GPT3 <laughs> right. Even as a research achievement, you know GPT3 is, is you know is hitting pretty heavy, right? Um, and the GPT three has just raised the bar so much higher for, for what really blows the audience away, right? Like what, what really needs to, like DALI blew me away, uh, a little bit more maybe than GPT three, GPT four may blow me away, but even then it'd be a little bit less than GPT three, um, because it's again, expected and it's following this exponential curve. Right. Uh, But Codex, I'm not sure, right? Because we already, we already in a way knew that GPT-3 could write code, right? We had all these demonstrations, right? And so it's a tough act to follow. And the point before that, I was basically saying the market is a lot smaller, and it is, it's not universal like GPT-3. Codex is specifically, it's by programmers for programmers, (laughs) and the, the, the amount of people in the world who can relate to that is a lot smaller, right? But I, I think the third reason, what I would classify as a big reason, probably the main reason is simply the use cases. So there was something about GPT-3, all the use cases that people were discovering. And we still don't know all the things it can do, right? Um, that's what sort of, we saw that it could do these use cases. It demonstrated to us that AI is, is really growing and is becoming more capable every day. And it was just good marketing right? And it also brought people into the fold. When we saw GPT-3 could write poems that brought a lot of poets into the GPT-3 world, right? Codex, where are the use cases, right? I'm sure there are some that exist. I've come across a few, but it's nothing like sort of the heyday of of GPT-3 use cases, right? It's nothing like what I remember. And I thought we'd see similar kinds of behavior, or at least I hoped for that. and so, I think the important question for OpenAI Codex as a product, if I was a product manager, um, is where are the OpenAI Codex use cases? Right. And and maybe there's some sort of connection between what I view as the lack of OpenAI Codex use cases uh, with with the product feature set, right? Um, and I I have some reasons why I think there aren't as many OpenAI Codex use cases. So. The the thing with OpenAI Codex is it can write code really well, much better than GPT-3, but it's not writing your entire program. It writes snippets of your program, right? And so I guess my problem with OpenAI Codex, at least in my view, there aren't many cases, use cases in my life where I need snippets of code written for me. There just aren't. Um, I spent some time actually brainstorming, sort of giving the benefit of the doubt uh, for this kind of thing. I thought maybe with Blender, which is a 3D animation program, it supports Python, that it would be cool, right? Like I could, you know, have OpenAI Codex write some Blender Python code for me, and then I don't have to draw that stuff in the UI, or maybe I can automate some stuff. I mean, that's cool. I didn't get around to doing it. I think I saw somebody had tried it, but it sort of ends there, right? Um, and, I just like I think the 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 best use case for OpenAI Codex, right, is GitHub Copilot, right, and I love GitHub Copilot, genuinely. Like I I've said this before on the podcast. If they told me GitHub Copilot is now going to be twenty bucks a month, forty bucks a month, even up to fifty, I will pay. I'll pay for GitHub Copilot. Just the idea that it's inside of VS code. It's an extension. It, it saves me a lot of typing. I think in the past, I've said anywhere to 10, 20% of my keystrokes typing. It saves. That's really valuable. I don't have to look as much stuff up on Stack Overflow. That's really valuable. Even when I'm using an API, I don't need to read the documentation. I can sort of get, co- get, get a copilot to sort of generate what the document, like generate how to use an API. Like that's really valuable. So this significant time savings, but. I'm saying when it comes to use cases, the times I need snippets of code written, it's inside of VS Code, <laughs> which, which I, so I almost feel like, in a way, OpenAI Codex has given away the best use case for, for OpenAI Codex. They gave it to GitHub, and they made GitHub Copilot, <laughs> right? Um, and I'm not saying there aren't any OpenAI uh, codex use cases. I'm sure. I'm, I hope people will discover them and prove me wrong, but I haven't seen too many up to this point. Nothing like GPT-3, um, and even I often struggle with coming up with them. If I'm being honest, um, uh, you know. And a lot of the stuff that we've seen, we've already found GPT-3 can also do right. Like, OpenAI Codex can write basic, you know, the code architecture in PyTorch or something for a neural network. We already knew GPT-3 can do that. OpenAI codecs can write good React code. We already knew GPT-3 could do that. Maybe not as good, but we knew we could do that. OpenAI codecs can write SQL statements, which is really handy for data scientists. So could GPT-3, right? And likewise, we knew OpenAI codecs could generate, you know, charts. With JavaScript libraries, so could GPT-3. So I'm, sh- I'm sure OpenAI Codex does it better. I'm sure it has greater command over these things. But at the same time, in terms of marketability, so what? We've already seen this before. I think people demand more right nowadays, like, because we've seen GPT-3. That bar is so much higher, right? Um, and so, anyways, I think there is a use case problem, and it's such a narrow kind of use case. When do you need snippets of code written, truly? Um, and I think if you keep this in mind, the snippets of code, I think the larger question is who is the audience? Who's the target market for OpenAI Codex? I'm a programmer. I do that for a living. Sometimes I don't feel that it's it's a product necessarily for me, <laughs> right? And it's, it's just, uh, again, like I feel like GitHub Copilot is a product for me, but as for Codex, I'm not sure. Um and that's not to say obviously OpenAI Codex could, you know, blow my socks off next year. Apparently, don't quote me on this, uh it, maybe I heard maybe like Sam Altman's like CEO of OpenAI said something like that that the next version is is going to be even beyond what you see today. Like not even it's going to blow your mind away kind of thing, right? Um but I I guess I guess what I'm just saying is this this use case stuff really affects the marketability, which you know affects the the virality. It affects the sort of the diversity in the community, and also just the universality of OpenAI Codex. It is not a universal product, whereas GPT three is. Um, and I also think too, like there's something about the UI for OpenAI Codex. It's basically the GPT-3 playground. It's the same thing with line numbers on the left, but um, there's just something about it. I've I've had trouble narrowing down why. I I think I need to spend more time and actually try to pinpoint why is the UI so painful. Um, It's very tedious. And I think the nature of your work with OpenAI Codex is radically different than the nature of your work with GPT-3. And so maybe their playgrounds need to be different. But there's something about the UI; it's not as usable. I don't enjoy using it, and also, it's just not as fun, right? With GPT-3, you simply don't know what it could say. You don't know. Um, You don't know what it could do, (laughs) right? Uh, With OpenAI Codex, I I also have this problem where I feel like it's it's been fine-tuned, so it's just a lot more boring, right? I had I had mentioned in you know my earlier podcast with Abron, like I was like it feels like OpenAI Codex doesn't know a single joke, and he had said no, he's had a lot of experiences where it can be quite uh, funny in its own way, and sometimes it'll tell the joke but wrap it inside of code for an HTML web page, right? Which is a real Codex thing to do, <laughs> but there's just something about Codex like it's inside the playground and. The way you interact with it is not a really a prompt. Like you're sort of fitting a prompt inside of a single line or multi-line comment, right? So you write a single line, multi-line comment and then it generates the code. You may not like it. So you get it to regenerate. Then you write another single line or multi-line comment, right? And so there's something about the UI that it's, it's not as fun. It's not as interactive. It's a little bit dry and dull, if I'm being honest, compared to how fun GPT-3 can be. And I feel sometimes very limited and restricted just having to write these programmer-like comments, you know, to get it to do stuff. And I know that's the point of it. It has to do with a transformer architecture, but there's something about the usability in that that is just not as exciting. Now, that's the Codex Playground. There's also a Codex. JavaScript playground. And so that the JavaScript playground is awesome, right? And I think that's part of the re- part of the reason is you can make like 2D games, JavaScript is more dynamic, it's more visual. And so maybe Codex has sort of a boring problem where you're just writing like I don't know, Python and C whereas the Codex sandbox with JavaScript that that thing is fun because it's you know, JavaScript and you can make a game and it's just more interactive and that felt to me like the future. That felt interactive and like kind of mind blowing, but Codex inside the playground not so much. In fact, I, I often try to avoid it. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. Whether it's the UI, whether it's the the tediousness of it. Um, maybe I need to think more about it. Maybe you know, observe myself, do it, do some kind of user study. But I've I've heard a lot of people say like, there's something about the Codex playground which just feels off. And again. This goes back to my question of who is the audience and what use cases did OpenAI expect? What were the use cases, right? What are the use cases where you need snippets of code written, like isolated snippets of code written in your daily life? Um, Let me see what else is in my notes. Uh, Yeah, so just very quickly, like I also wanted to mention. um, like what would really excite me and i've mentioned this before i want zero shot app generation i want zero shot website generation that's what i want i don't even want to worry about the code i want to just describe in just english what kind of website i want what it should do push a button and it generates the whole code base (laughs) right and the website works and everything and i understand there's like a lot of engineering problems there's a lot of ai research that would Need to get it to that point, right? Um, right now, like Codex, it, it can't even you know open a browser. <laughs> it can't open a browser. It can't refresh a website to see if the website design it, it conceptualized for you actually looks like what the code tried to get it to look like. It can't do these things. But uh, if we could solve these things, I think that would make OpenAI Codex a lot useful. If if OpenAI Codex could write more than just a few characters but the entire code base, or at least fit in more stuff into its character window, that would also be really helpful. Uh if I have a magic wand, I mean I, I don't just want zero shot code generation. I don't want to worry about code at all. Right? Like I I uh I would rather even just speak in English and like if, if it's true AI, you shouldn't need to describe the steps and everything that would need to happen for the code, kind of like how you do with Codex now. Uh, it would just figure it out and l- it would manage that whole code part and let you just either give rules or instructions or a description. Um, I think that would be true AI and that would be truly mind blowing, right? Like I just, I don't understand why we're still dealing with code. Right. If if AI is sufficiently advanced, coding should be something managed by the computers, not us. Um, and I, I will be, you know, in this series probably later talking about, you know, what is the role of a programmer? What, how does programming fit into a longer timeline of human, you know, jobs, human, you know, historical roles? Like, you know, I, I often feel coding is like this gray area. We were just intermediaries, but. The potential of coding is a lot greater, perhaps, without humans in the equation, right? And what are the limitations of both humans and computer programs, (laughs) right? Versus the limitations of AI. And so, anyways, like, I just, I'm just saying this whole like, we have an AI model to just help us write code. That's one thing. I just think having an AI model so we don't have to write code, so that it just writes the code, we have no visibility even into the code. (laughs) Like, and I mean, obviously wants want some visibility for safety reasons and other stuff, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I, I think, I think we shouldn't have to even think about code at all with true AI. Um, and, uh, let's see, uh, uh, all together, like, uh, uh, I love GitHub Copilot. I'm still going to try to play around with open AI codex. I think it's, it's a tough, it's following a tough product like GPT three on stage, which just dropped the mic and crushed everything. Um, I think the, the playground needs work. There's something with the UI there. Um, and I, I hope they start addressing some of these underlying engineering challenges, um, like, uh, character limits, which I mentioned. Um, and, uh, I, I just, uh, I'm really excited to see what they come up with next. Maybe perhaps we're just looking at version one, which they know is highly limited. It's just to get the ball rolling and the next one will absolutely destroy and crush. Um, and also who knows, right? With the scaling laws, with computing power, with Moore's law, like all these things, uh, I don't know what the next generation of codecs can do, like how much it might blow me away and change my mind on things, right? Uh, so far, I, I still like Codex. I think it's incredible research. And honestly, I look forward to hearing what they come up with next. So anyways, these are my broad ideas when it comes to uh, essays on codecs. Uh, I, I'm still working on it, still still thinking about you know w- where else the series could go. And I have other points too, which just really aren't even ready for the podcast yet. So uh, real quick, I also wanted to mention, I, I did look it up on Google Trends. Let me mention that really quickly. GPT-3 versus OpenAI Codecs. Uh, from what I'm seeing, OpenAI Codex did not even get what is it like? It almost looks like it hit maybe 10% at its most hype when it was announced to GPT-3. So GPT-3 was like far more hyped and continues to have more interest than OpenAI Codex does now. And so if we're purely going off Google Trends, I don't know if that's the best basis if that's the more the most accurate uh, there is just far more interest in GPT-3, and it, the, the data sort of does speak to this narrative that I'm describing that, in a way, OpenAI Codex is, is starting to kind of fizzle out. And I'm not saying it's over. Maybe it's sort of just a dry lull. Um, maybe you know, we might be one or two use cases away, uh, but I definitely think this Codex product is really a long-term thing. Um, And I, I think the, the company, maybe OpenAI needs to think about some things like, who is the target market? What are the broader categories of use cases for this product? And maybe, maybe how can we make Codex more fun? Uh, I, th- I think that those are my higher level thoughts about OpenAI Codex. Anyways, uh, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Multimodal by Backstreet Future is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, I use Pocket Cast, You name it. It's everywhere. Uh, make sure you have notifications on so you get notified every time a new episode drops. Make sure you add it to your queue. like As soon as it downloads, you know, set it to auto download. Make sure when it downloads, it shows up at the top of the queue so you can listen right away. Uh, I have a newsletter, bakztfuture.substack.com. That's where I share some behind-the-scenes stuff, big ideas. I sometimes, in a really raw way, will write stuff and put it out there. Sometimes I'll... Um, you know, some things are just better as writing, so I'll even upload them there. There won't even be a podcast. Make sure you check it out. And you can find me personally on Twitter at B A K Z T Future and Instagram B A K Z T Future. Um more raw thoughts. I'm gonna be start I'm gonna start sharing some of my own AI art and stuff on those two channels as well. Uh anyways, you know where to find me. I hope you have a great day, night, evening, morning, if you're out getting ice cream. Uh, if you went skiing or something, if there's snow in the area you're in, uh, if you are listening from the future, if you're listening from a spaceship, uh, if, if you're using GPT-7 and wondering how did people who used to use GPT-3 in the past, how did they find it? Uh, and so you're from the future listening in the to the past. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great day, night, morning, evening, wherever you are, wherever you are in this planet in the multiverse. I hope it's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.